0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call the spirits in to join us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors, to all who lived well and died well in your ancestral lines. And I call out to mine, to those who lived well and died well in my ancestral line, to those people who have gone before us on whose shoulders that we stand. I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today and bring to us all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines, to bring to us the wealth of these lineages. So that we might be able to do things differently than they have been done before where needed. And that we might hold true to doing things as they need to be done. As humanity has learned time and time again. So we call out to these ancestors to both help us find the path and to help us to not stray from the good road. We call out to these ancestors to gather round us here today and to help us, the living, do what we have come into this particular time to do and we give thanks to these ancestors for being with us today here in this moment for being around us all the time and for communicating with us in our dreams at night we give thanks to the presence of these ancestral helping spirits and we ask them again and again to join us in doing good work in the world and speaking of the world Let us connect from our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and our bellies into the earth. Let us take a moment and connect with the earth gently with a heart full of gratitude, gratitude for this day, for all that it has brought to you and all that it will bring. We give thanks for the beauty in life, the great diversity in life and the wonder and the true miracle that is life. We still don't exactly know where it comes from. And we give thanks for this great mystery. And we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. And we give thanks. And as we reach down through all the layers of the earth to the very, very center of the earth, we do so in this gratitude. We reach down to the very, very center of the earth. We reach into this pure, true yin energy. We reach into the center of the earth to draw up the energy of restoration and rejuvenation the energy of replenishment and renewal. We draw up this energy as we would draw up and greet the energy of fresh water rising in a spring from the earth on a long, hot, thirsty day. We call up this wellspring of energy from the center of the earth and we give thanks to the energy of the earth for bringing with it the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. So we draw up the energy of the earth with our gratitude into our bodies, bringing into our lives the energy of groundedness and home, place, belonging, hearth, the place that we take a stand, and all those things in our life that are worth taking a stand for. We give thanks to the earth. We give thanks to the earth for connection for the interconnection of things, and through that, finally, a connection to the oneness of all things and an understanding of our place in that web of life. And may we each take a moment in this day and touch that oneness and from that oneness come into right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And we ask the energy of the earth and its wisdom to help us in all of these things. And with the energy of the earth moving into our bodies and into our day, into these proceedings, we draw that energy up from belly to heart and heart to mind and send it up and out through the sky above you, whatever it holds, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. We reach out through the cosmos, through all the heavenly bodies and all the wonders of the universe, all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name we know this power, we reach it and name it, see ourselves reflected in it and it reflected in us. And we draw this energy down, draw it down into yourself, into our proceedings here, into your day. And in this way, we draw into our day the energy of blessings the energy of protection and benevolence, the energy of devotion and generosity. We call these true yang energies down into our life, and with them we draw down all the wisdom of the cosmos. We draw this energy into our head and our heart and our belly, and we take a moment in each of these three primary energy centers to feel the energy of earth and sky coming together in the wholeness of the Tao. In this dance of yin and yang, fire and water, in this dance of wholeness, this dance of life, this dance of love, we take a moment to feel that energy inside of ourselves, to imagine it, to visualize it, whatever works for you, and into it we call out to the spirit of the heart and we ask it to awaken, to open, to be with us here today, and to be that space that it is, this unique energy of the heart that can draw up the fiery energies and passions of the belly of the lower and can draw down the crystal clarity from above of the mind can draw these energies in together in the heart where they can be in that crucible of transformation that place within us that is uniquely designed to accept it all to hold it in dynamic relationship and to allow from that tension to allow for our soul's purpose to be born. And may we find in our heart today some sense of that true reason that we are here. May we find in our heart courage to bring that inspiration. So, with she's called in around us. The energies of below the energies of above the energies in the center in our heart and the ancestors gathered around we give thanks for the spirit help and i also want to give thanks to the spirits of the people that helped i want to give thanks to all of you listeners who have donated financially to the show to help me to keep the show um, available and um, available for free around the world for anyone who can get access to the internet um, and i also want to give thanks to olivia and to daisy and all of the listeners who um were able to make donations in the past week and i want to thank those of you that are keeping the show alive in other ways particularly those of you that are simply taking what resonates with you and challenging yourself with these ideas and these teachings and doing something with them in your life so that they grow bringing them into relation with other people, um, sharing them in your journey circles um, sharing from your own practice questions or ideas for shows all of these ways that we keep the show alive I give thanks for. If this show is meaningful to you in any way If it moves you in the heart, um, moves you in inspiration or frustration, it doesn't matter. The point is you've been moved in the heart and the essence of shamanism and our understanding of true power is that it's mediated in the heart. So I ask you all to allow that movement in the heart to move you into action in some way to help me to help this show to grow. For those of you who would like to donate and do not know how, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and um, click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. Um, it is all greatly appreciated, and it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. If you are not comfortable with doing, that on lo- with doing that online, please feel free to email me at Christina at LastMaskCenter.org, and I will send you a regular old everyday address. We are live this week, um, and if you have any questions about the topic of the show, please feel free to call in. You can reach us at 512 772 1938, or you can Skype in from anywhere. Um, through the co-creatornetwork.com site. And if you're listening to this show at another time and you have questions about the show, please feel free just to email me at, Christina at lastmasscenter.org. Um It's coming up to time to do a show that's basically a show that just answers random questions from listeners that didn't necessarily warrant a whole show in and of themselves, um, but are great questions nonetheless. So sometimes we just have a Stump the Shaman show. That is not, however, the topic of today's show. Um, today we're continuing on this journey that I'm uh, taking us on uh, for these few weeks. Um, Not that this is only going to take a few weeks, but we are in this time of transition, this time of transitioning from the old world and the story of the people that um, kept the old world um, manifesting. And now we're in transition into the new world. The times have changed. The energies have changed. And it is time now for the story to change. And last week, um, I shared some from an essay about the space between the stories by Charles Eisenstein. And a link to that um, essay is on the Facebook page for the show, for the Why Shamanism Now Facebook page. You can link through that or just Google Charles Eisenstein and go to his site. It's just um, charleseisenstein.net, I believe. Anyway, the point that Charles is making is that – well, he's making many points. But the essence of it is that we need to craft the new story. And we are actually crafting the new story would be another way to say this. We are crafting the new story by how we're choosing to think, how we're choosing to act, how we're choosing to live. And part of what Charles was questioning is what are we truly ready to let go of in the old story? And how do we go forward in a new way has been the question I've been asking now for many shows. How do we do that? And what's important to understand about being a human is that we are always manifesting. So we are always, we are in every day crafting this story. And the story has to do with what we consciously and unconsciously agree to. And so in this time of transition, when all the other energies other than human are changing to the new world by virtue of those life cycles that have nothing to do with us as humans, we can choose to participate in that change um, or drag our heels, hang on to the past, stand um, in stand contrary to that change. Now, the change, the evolution into the new world in and of itself energetically is inevitable. It's happening. It's bigger than we are. It's the earth and her brother, sister planets, nature, all these energies that move um, regardless of us. Not that we don't influence them and impact them, but they are somewhat bigger than we are, even in our many numbers on the face of the planet. So how do we shape the new story is the question. How do we live in a way that participates intentionally in crafting a story that will shape a new world that we truly are honored to live in, that we are excited to hand down to our descendants? You know, the last few years that we've been here together on this planet, there's been... Um, The Occupy movement um, giving voice to forces going on um, among the people that um, don't sit well with the people, that we're not comfortable with, that there are great influences out of the past story that lead to actions each day that are unethical and immoral. And the path forward for so much of this really seems so simple if we just look at it. And yet there are laws and systems and businesses and profits and things that stand in the way from good people doing what is pretty obvious they should do. So this is, this is about the death of an old story. That's, that's what it looks like. Old stories don't usually go, oh, hello, new story. Here, let me gracefully bow out and let you take center stage. It doesn't usually work that way. And so here we are, the living in the time of crafting the new story. And so my question is, how do we do that skillfully? Because we can talk about it politically, we can talk about it psychologically, we can get really mired and bogged down in very ways of talking about the new story that are inherently factors of the old story. And so what I suggest we do as much as we absolutely possibly can is ask ourselves these questions shamanically. How how do I spirit world help me here how do I participate in the shaping of a robust thriving diverse abundant beautiful new story or whatever it is you want the new story to be you decide But the question here that I'm asking myself and asking you through this show is, how do we do this differently? Because if we don't do things differently, the story will not be rewritten. It will be very, very much like before. So here we are. Last week, I talked about the possibility that we could approach this whole trend, time of transition, um, as if we are heroes on a great journey and that we are gathering around us, our allies. And it is through our experience of gathering these allies that we will be, we will begin to learn how to shape that new story, that we will learn new things by hanging out with new allies, by looking at the quality of our relationship with these energies that have always been present in our life. But it was the very nature of our relationship with them that was problematic. In other words last week we talked about the unknown. So there's nothing problematic about the unknown. What's problematic in the old story is that it teaches us to fear the unknown and to desire to overcome it, to conquer it, to control it to um, and we see this in um, the politics around women's bodies we see this in the choices we make around wilderness and nature we see this in how we choose to relate to children so these are these are deep deep threads in the storyline that affect us in many many ways here in everyday life So the issue, again, was not the ally. Well, was not the energy itself, but that we were not in an ally relationship with it. We were actually in an antagonistic or enemy relationship with the unknown. So that was last week's show. So this week, I'd like to suggest that another absolutely critical ally, a change we must, a fundamental belief system change we must make, is in our relationship to our heart, and in particular, the wild heart. Now, there is actually a really lovely, not lovely, a very challenging and powerful and lovely book about the wild heart called Wild Heart. Um, it's actually called The Sacred Council of Your Wild Heart, Nature's Hope in Earth's Crisis. It's by um, Dr. Will Tagle. And I've actually done a show with Will about this book. Um, I suggest you just buy the book and read it because we barely scrape the surface in the show. And it's a great book about the wild heart and pretty much talking about the wild heart in the same way that I am only much better read and scholarly than me. <laughs> but the wild heart... In many ways, what I've come to understand is that the wild heart would be a way to describe the heart in its sort of true form in a spiritual adult. That children come into the world in a very – most children come into the world in a very um, heartfelt, open-hearted, strong-hearted, clear-hearted, full-hearted way. Because they come from oneness into this manifestation with their heart in its true form. And then learning, experience, stuff ensues as they go through life. And and reclaiming, in a sense, the wild heart is a process humanity has understand understood for a long time. Each individual must go through to unlearn all the domestication that we've taken on that keeps us from that true and authentic heart, that wild heart that knows no domestication and that this, this wild heart, it's not that the wild heart should totally run the show and dominate all other energies. It's not in the nature of the wild heart actually to do that. I mean, the wild heart isn't the Tasmanian devil, you know, it doesn't just go and just, you know, aggravate things the wild heart is undomesticated that it is not shaped by man or humanity it's in its true spirit form in in the form that it came to in innocence as a child and then our innocence is lost and we become educated and wise and come back to this place of the wild heart And so what I see in this time, very much as a product, um, a symptom of the old story, is people deathly afraid of their heart and yet yearning, longing for their heart. But because they're deathly afraid of it, they can't find the path. And this is, this is one of the ways that I would describe shamanic healing work is it's helping people to find the path back to their true heart, to recall the memory held in the heart of why they are here. And as they begin to embark on that path, however they choose to manifest it, but that path nonetheless that manifests why they are here, then they'll come eventually round to, to the wilderness of their heart and that true freedom. Because in the wild heart is true freedom. One thing I forgot to say, I think when I was talking about dominance not being the nature of the wild heart, is the reason it's not the nature of the wild heart, because the wild heart is wilderness. Wilderness is not dominance. Wilderness is cooperation. That that what happens in the wilderness is the constant um, generative, cooperative, shifting, shape-shifting of energy that happens through the ecosystems of the plants and the animals and the earth and the bugs and the everything. Constantly ebbing and flowing and rising and falling and moving through, constantly changing and and yet staying in a kind of constancy. Um, and so it is the nature of the wild heart to be part of the oneness, part of the true nature of things. And that my idea here is that just as we must ally with the unknown for this journey we are on into the new world, we must also become allies, true trusting allies with our wild heart. And that these allies are essential for each one of us if we are to participate in the shaping and crafting of a new story for the new world. So many years ago in the summer, I was on a small ship sailing in the Alaskan wilderness. Not nature, mind you, not just the nature of Alaska, but the wilderness. And the succinct and poetic definition of wilderness from our U.S. uh, Wilderness Act is this. A wilderness, in contrast to those areas where man and his own works dominate the landscape, is hereby recognized as an area where the earth and community of life are untrammeled by man, where man himself is a visitor. Who does not remain. So as I stood there on the deck of that ship, feeling this cool, sweet, fresh air, and feeling the warm sunshine, I understood completely as I looked out at the vast beauty of this wilderness we were sailing through, that had I been dropped off on land by that crew, With food and shelter, I would have been killed before I could have learned to survive. And that was the truth of that wilderness. And that truth set my wild heart free. I know that sounds a bit trite, but it was an utterly unexpected experience. That it was precisely that understanding that I would die... That it would kill me. And it would kill me because I would not have time to understand how to be one with it. Now, I could learn to be one with it. But by myself, I wouldn't have time to do that. And that reality of that wilderness, that it was not domesticated, that it was not made safe and comfortable for me. That it was what it was purely it didn't care at all about me it was such an enormous relief that that understanding awakened something dormant in my heart and i'm standing there on the deck of this ship and feeling as if this was the first time in my entire life i could take a full breath It felt like this true freedom came into my heart and my lungs and my chest. Something felt, for lack of words, warm and radiant from the very center of my heart space out. And my heart felt for the very first time fully awake and alive in the understanding my death, my my sure and sudden death out there in that wilderness so now I'm not a terribly well domesticated woman in the first place bless my wonderful mother's heart for trying but as I've said before much of the typical domestication didn't stick very well for me Um, and then along my life comes the spontaneous um, shamanic initiation and the woman that I had learned to be the, the domestication that I had taken on walked out literally So my heart itself was awake already when I stood on the deck of that small ship. And my memory of my heart path was alive and well and directing my life. So what woke up on the deck of that ship, surrounded 360 degrees by wilderness? What woke up? So what I came to understand on that day and the days that followed is that what had awakened in my heart was this wilderness this wild heart and that the wild heart had awakened precisely because of this reflection of the wilderness all around me that the wilderness was for the first time in my life real and live and I was not, and personally, I was in a place where I was not so enmeshed in my own story that i could that i couldn 't see the wilderness because i 've been out in wilderness before, but i couldn 't my heart wasn 't free to experience it to truly see it and feel it, so part of it was where I was in my life, but part of it was also placing myself in the wilderness so that the wilderness within me could be reflected in the wilderness outside of me and in that become real in my own inner awareness it's that process we've discussed before that we we need to see energies in reflection or experience them in reflection to to awaken to them to come to know them and then they become real within us and so finally by placing myself at that time in my life in the wilderness the wilderness of my heart woke up and that wilderness from the inside out released the stagnation and suffocation that it found in my heart because I had made choices in life that were somewhere between living and dying just like everyone else. I'm a contemporary woman and I have my own history. So just like everyone else, I have made choices in life that were between living and dying. And in the wilderness, in each individual, out there in the wilderness, in each individual, there is only living and dying. Nothing between. In the community of life, out there in the wilderness, there is cooperation. In the community of life, there is cooperation. But in the individuals that make up that community... There is only living or dying. We humans, on the other hand, make so, especially in our contemporary time, those of us who do not live anywhere near the wilderness, right, who don't, those of us, if the electricity went out today, there was nothing more in the stores, and we simply had to live off the land. So those of us who could not do that today, starting today, right, right? those people right me for example we humans make so many rational and practical choices to keep from dying however we must remember from the heart's perspective not dying isn't living it's not dying similarly we humans make so many controlled and insured choices To step back from the risk inherent in living fully. Not living fully is an unconscious death. I think often of this quote by the adventurer Alva Simon. Death is only one of many ways to lose your life. The dangers of not doing what you perceive as your destiny are greater than anything else. And so as I'm talking about this, I'm remembering as the ship is sailing on, we're passing this sheer rock face. I don't know how many hundreds of feet dropping straight down into the ocean, which is freezing, right? And, you know, icebergs floating around. And there are these mountain goats with these enormous horns and these tiny, tiny little feet prancing around on this rock face. Every single leap, the goat is just living, but every single leap is either living or dying. And they're doing that so the bears don't eat them, but they're also perfectly happy out there on that rock face, living, living as a mountain goat or whatever they really were, rams or whatever they are. But I watched that. And saw that there was no in-between, no wait, could I have a, you know, safety harness? Could I have someone build me some steps? Someone do this. Someone make sure there isn't a, um, uh, you know, a, a bump in the sidewalk. Make it perfect for me or I'll sue you. You know, those goats didn't have anybody to sue. They just had to leap and they either made it or they didn't. And their children either made it or they didn't. And that that was life. That was living as a goat. It's living and dying. And they're doing it again so the bears don't eat them. The bears get, you know, too much after those goats and it's the bear that plummets into the water. So wilderness, right? And the wild heart, the wild heart needs to choose, make choices that are life and death choices, either or, all the time. It's clean, it's clear, it's not selfish, because it's one with all things. It's the nature of the wild heart to reach into that cooperative community of life. The wild heart as the individual is making clear life, death choices, not in between choices. And then through the community of things, the heart is making uh, is being itself and relating to others that are being themselves, being them, their, their selves. And creating this community and so this isn't about selfish love and personal desires, but about simple clear choices of life and death, and this is, this is the value of the wild heart as an ally. So if the wild heart never sees itself reflected in the world around us it's never recognized by our inner awareness and it doesn't become real to us. So when it's ignored, because it hasn't become real, it gets bored with us, and it gets bored with our safe choices, and it just goes dormant. So even when we're living a passionate life, it's possible that the wild heart is still sleeping, is still dormant. So when we experience the absolute control in our childhood of a parent, or a school system or a religious system or some sort of authority in our life as a child. So when we experience this absolute control or we learn that we will only receive the love if we absolutely control ourselves, the wild heart simply goes dormant. All right? it's not. It doesn't see itself reflected in a world of control. Okay, so it just goes dormant. And I have many serious and committed students who struggle with this for years. Without their wild heart, they don't have the courage to leap like the goat. They don't have the courage to step beyond the control they've learned to impose. And yet, by seeing the world through the story of control they impose, it keeps them from seeing the wilderness around them just like all the other times when I was younger that I'd been in the wilderness and my wild heart didn't wake up because I couldn't see it because I was still in my own personal family drama around control. So I sense as I work with people that people who experience the wilderness of the heart, either because they've spent extended time in the wilderness or extended time in war, which is a different wilderness. It's the wilderness of the human nature. But these people who experience the wilderness of the heart are forever changed. And they're changed in such a way that they don't quite fit into the nicely domesticated patterns of everyday American life. And this is why we need to awaken the wild heart and make it an ally. Because it's important... We need to not fit so nicely into the domesticated patterns of everyday American life. For these patterns are motivated by the desire for control that was at the heart of the old story. So our patterns, our comfortable everyday patterns need to be challenged. We don't want to fit so comfortably and easily into these patterns right now without investigating. right? So please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying everything just needs to go to hell in a handbasket. What I'm saying is that the what the heart's nature is to feel. And because it feels, we cultivate a quality of empathy, and because we can feel empathy, we are ethical in other world. In other words, I'm feeling a particular way and it's painful. And I wouldn't want anyone else to feel that way, and so it would be ethical for me to behave in a way so that others don't need to feel that pain, feel that suffering, whatever. And so then, in uh, the hearts, it's the heart's nature then, because we're naturally ethical to be moral. So if we if we access the wild heart and get back to this place of clear, free choices, life death, no in between, we start understanding again the simplicity of morality and ethics. They're really not complicated at their essence, at our understanding in the heart. And the heart, just as the wild heart needs to see itself reflected, the the life of the heart, the health of the heart needs to feel the energies flow in ethical and moral ways in our life. When we are in contrary to morality and ethics, the heart is in pain and it's the nature of the heart. So when I'm talking about the wild heart, I'm not talking about a selfish, blowout, feel whatever I want to feel do whatever I want to do kind of way of being I'm talking about accessing a deep inner nature that just like the wilderness out in the world is part of the community of life and its very nature is not only to engage in that community but to do so ethically and morally um, as a way of cultivating life So I'm suggesting then that we allow the patterns of the heart um, that got laid down in the old story. We allow ourselves to understand that they they are control-based. It's just like the part in the definition of wilderness, that wilderness is untrammeled by man. Where we took in these old patterns, we became trammeled by man. By humanity and the burden of the patterns of the old story. So when that happens, our wilderness goes dormant or gets destroyed. It goes dormant and, and we become what others want us to be. The wild heart doesn't say clearly live, die. Instead, we become what others want us to be. We become consumers. We become interchangeable workers. We become the national average We become addicts and we become pharmaceutical consumers. When we live as others want us to be, we lose our sense of the interconnection with that community of life, with that real self. Because when we choose to be what others want us to be, we're not we, the true self, isn't living anymore. It's dying. And all of our life force is being uh, channeled into this other false self. The success of the false self is that it fits into the patterns of control. The failure of the true self is that it doesn't. But we're at this time of rewriting the story, of writing a story that isn't based on control, I would hope. And so, for us to be able to be participate in writing that story, we need to step out of the patterns of control. And the aspect of ourself that will lead us there, that is the remedy for our addiction to control, is the wild heart. And it's right there in each one of us, waiting for the conditions in which it can awaken again. So when we live as others want us to be, as consumers and pharmaceutical consumers, addicts, interchangeable workers... We lose the flow of ethics and morality that keeps the heart alive. And we make in-between choices that are motivated by control and safety and fear. And this makes the controllers very happy, whether the controllers are outside of us or inside of us. But when we awaken the wild heart, there is only room for living or dying. And our natural understanding of the cooperative nature of successful living that we see in the wilderness. So we've been talking about the great teachers uh, in the De- in the December shows in the series of December shows. and what it is that we need to do to bring into the new world. And now that we're in transition between the old world and the new world, we've, I've been talking with you about participating in the creation of the new story of the people. And for those of you that have never thought much about the story, um, I'll share Charles's definition. So a story of the people is a ex- widely accepted set of agreements and narratives that gives meaning to the world, and coordinates human activity towards its fulfillment. It is part conscious and part unconscious. It consists of a matrix of agreements, narratives, and symbols that tell us why we are here, where we are headed, what is important, and even what is real. So my perspective is that the new story of the people needs to be based on the truth that we see in nature around us which is the interconnection of all things, which is that community of life. And what is essential is that this new story um, is rooted in this truth to the same degree that the old story was rooted in the lie of separation. And that, that rested, that lie that we are separate from God and thus we are separate from ourselves, we are separate from nature, all of that. It's at the very core of the old story. And the old story then, because we were separate from that energy, we were separate from our wild heart, we were separate from that which is innately ethical and moral. The old story then separates us from that very energy that directs us So the old story has to be an old story about control. Because now that people aren't being directed by morality and ethics through their compass, they now need to be controlled. Um, And that control was achieved through this lie of separation and the lie of separation achieved the control. They went back and forth. And it's not only about separation from God, but it was really about the separation from God in all things. So it's, it's not only about the separation from nature and wilderness, which silenced the wild heart. It was separation from God as it is manifest in the wilderness and in nature. It is this old story, then. We would wait to be rescued because we're separate from everything. We're separate from God, so we need to be rescued from ourself and in that waiting the heart remains childish the heart is waiting for something else outside of itself to come rescue it so what we are asking of the heart in the new world is that we no longer wait that we um that we understand that that separation from god was not just God, but it was God within everything, within nature, within the wilderness, but also separation from God within ourselves. And that we are the ones that we're waiting for to rescue us. And this is the essence here then of the heart, is being able to recognize the childishness in ourselves, that waiting child. And to rescue the waiting child from the old story, and give as an adult to give that child what it needs to move as energy with you wholly into the new story. you know, so how do we get to where we need to be relative to the wild heart and this new story so let 's talk just a little bit about the kind of the evolution of the heart. I started to, and then I kind of got distracted so so as I said earlier in the show, the heart upon arrival is coming out of oneness. So the emotions, it's moving in pure emotions, not feelings, but emotions. And so it's very, the instincts of life and death are very pure. And the heart itself is in a state of innocence. And so it's open, it's full, it's strong, it's clear. It's its coming out of the oneness. It couldn't be better, Right. And then the heart moves into childhood. And what happens as we experience things in childhood is we develop an entire repertoire of feelings that get overlaid on the emotions. The instinctual emotions never go away, but we get this whole repertoire of feelings. And the feelings are really based on experiences where we feel like we're going to die. Now, if you're here listening to the show, you didn't die right? But it was the feeling, if this happens, I'm going to die. I'm afraid of this if this were to happen. So, so the childhood feelings are survival-based and they're based on the fear of death, the fear that we won't be loved, which is ultimately the fear of death. And there's abandonment, there's banishment, there's annihilation, but ultimately they all come back to a fear of death. And this is at the root of this shaping of of um, feelings because the other, other complement of the feelings are the life experiences of joy, of wonder, of exploration, of adventure, of um, heartbreak, and then renewal, of confusion, and then coming out of confusion, of misunderstanding, and realizing. I mean, all of these things. So then we move on to adulthood. Now what needs to happen in adulthood is, is the ability in the heart to distinguish between past time feelings and present time feelings. And so I'm asking us not only learn to do this on this personal level, but to do this on this level of the story because my past, My personal small past time stories that are unresolved from my childhood resonate with the old story. And my ability to rescue myself from those past stories and draw that energy into present time is what resonates then. That wholeness then resonates with the truth in the new story. And so if I am to participate in the new story, I have to get myself out of the past and bring her here. I also have to get myself out of the, in the, similarly, I have to get myself out of the old story and bring myself here into the present moment and envision the future. And this is also a piece that Charles is questioning in the Space Between Stories essay that he wrote. Is about are, are we ready, willing, and able to let go of the past story. So we're here with this heart in adulthood. And what is important for this heart in adulthood is that we distinguish the ability, we, we, we cultivate the ability to distinguish between past-time feelings and present-time feelings and to understand a sense of... um How our responses in the moment are appropriate, meaning they are an appropriate expression of a person of your maturity in the given situation. Or are you reacting out of the past in the given present situation? And so the adult heart then begins to move into the mature heart through discipline, And what's important to realize here is it's always actually been this way for humanity because this disciplines, these practices for how to move out of that realization, I'm in two places at the same time. My heart and my feelings are coming out of the past. And yet in present time, I'm alive and well and don't need to be afraid I'm going to die. So how do I reconcile that? The practices, the disciplines for reconciling that are found in all the world's mystery schools throughout all of time. And so humanity has understood that humans need to do this. It is the nature of the transition from childhood to adulthood. The transition into maturity then is, is not um, – you don't just time yourself into it. You actually have to c- cultivate maturity. And so that's the way it's always been. What happened with the old story is it encouraged us to turn that responsibility over, whether we turned it over to Jesus who saved us or to a guru or whoever it is that we turned it over to. We turned that responsibility over and what we need to bring forward from the old, old stories into the new world is all of those is the belief in an understanding of the need for those disciplines that allow us to cultivate the mature heart because it's the mature heart that allows us then to cultivate the courageous heart. So now I'm mature. I've got my heart in present time. I'm not afraid I'm going to die. I know that I'm fine. I'm adult. I can make the choices I need to make. I'm not reacting out of this fear of death in everything in my life, but I'm responding to what is going on in my life. I'm capable of responding. I notice deep patterns that influence my ability to view reality. And so that begins the courageous heart work that I've talked about in many other shows where I start looking for the deeper patterns that can't just be cleared through a daily discipline of where I've left myself behind in childhood, but these are deeper wounds, um, out of my shadow, out of my soul loss or ultimately coming out of the ancestral realm. And so the courageous heart work is a way that we courageously address, um, Bringing the heart and all four chambers of the heart, not only into present time, but into present potential to move the powers of the heart that they're designed to move. After that, we cultivate the courage then to awaken the wild heart. And this is what I was saying about some of my students who have particular burden of control from their childhood and have... Mostly, each of them has taken that on in themselves, a a desperate need to maintain that control as their primary coping mechanism. So what needs to happen in that then is that movement from maturity to the courageous heart so that the wild heart can be awakened. Because for us to truly craft the story for the new world, we must have the input from the wild heart Not just the loving heart, not just the oneness with all things, not just these lovely ideas that were being expressed everywhere at the end of the old world, but to truly ally ourselves with the wild heart, which requires the healing and transformation from the child heart to the adult heart, the adult heart to the mature heart, the mature heart to the courageous heart and the courageous heart has the ability to see itself in the wilderness and to risk life and death, morality and ethics. Do what must be done when it is asked of you because you are the one who is there to do it. And do it because you see yourself in the community of life all around you. And you recognize this in this moment is my uniqueness in this this great play here of life and so the way then that we do this is by changing our relationship from one of control which is a very childish relationship with the world actually and we move into this disciplined practice that um, frees the heart from the past and then cultivate the courageous heart, which helps us to deal, delve into the deeper patterns. And then really risk awakening your wild heart and then cultivate that relationship. Because when we awaken our wild heart, this ally brings us to intimacy. And intimacy is a very misunderstood energy. Uh, I believe, in America at least, certainly coming out of the old story, that intimacy is often uh, paired with vulnerability and both are considered weakness. That intimacy is often seen in the old story is the thing that I, um, the, the, The perception of intimacy is what I want to cultivate so that I can manipulate another person into doing what I want them to do. And what we need to understand is all that we lose when we um, relate to intimacy in that way. Intimacy is necessary. The intimacy with the wild heart is necessary for us to experience the nourishment that comes from true yin energies intimacy is necessary pleasure great um community of life and intimacy is what is necessary if we're truly going to cultivate um a relationship with our own authenticity that we must we must be able to be in intimate relationship with people with our environment with the energies around us and this um, capacity for intimacy is almost entirely lost and certainly manipulated and abused in the old story and so if we are to cultivate these relationships with our allies, with the unknown, with the wild heart, what we gain from this ally of the wild heart is a capacity for true intimacy. And that that capacity for true intimacy is based on the healthy, vital flow in our heart of morality and ethics. That we, we, we are not safe for others to be intimate with If we are not in right relationship around morality and ethics and ultimately with our own wilderness, that we must know our own wilderness to truly experience our intimacy. Because this was perhaps the most profound thing that I experienced from the ship and from the time that we did spend on the land is the intimacy of all of the parts of the community of life in these wilderness places. That these relationships were were raw and life and death and more intimate than the humans on the ship could possibly even imagine. And we must be able and willing to risk that quality of intimacy If we are ever to come into right relationship with the spirit world. And this, of course, is at the core, not only of shamanic practice, but of our ability as the humans living on the planet today to craft the new story. We must not be afraid of the intimacy necessary to know our true selves. So I'd like to give thanks to the allies that are with me on this journey. I give thanks to the ancestors gathered around us here today, to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Next week, our guest is going to be Ed Tick and um, a shaman from Vietnam who is working with the spirits of the dead in that country. And we'll talk about Um, beliefs and practices and how shamans are helping people to make things right with the dead. So thank you all for joining me here this week. Have a great week and risk intimacy.